You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. So we have been in, um, we've been walking through the book of First Peter. And so if you're new to Summit, uh, sometimes we'll have a series based on topics. Um, so we did a Sunday school series. We do an at the movie series in the summertime, which is always a lot of fun. And then other times of the year, we'll just walk through books of the Bible. So the book of the Bible that we've been walking through for the last three weeks is the book of First Peter. And we are on um, chapter four today, which is what I get to cover And I'm excited and honored um, just to share with you some things that really stood out to me in the scriptures as I was reading and things that I learned myself. Um, I I went to Bible college too, but I have like such a bad memory. And so it's not like you can go to Bible college once and just remember everything. Uh, You have to stay in the word and you have to stay studying the word. And so, um, so I enjoy, it's, it is fascinating to learn about scripture Well, it's fun. So I encourage you, be in the Word. Um, So a few weekends ago, many of you know uh, Pastor Steph and Pastor Gil. They're married now, and they're amazing. And, uh, but her, her, I was about to say your son. (laughs) Her brother, uh, Justin McCoy, if you're in the wrestling world, you might be familiar with that name. But he uh, is an NCAA Division I wrestling athlete at the University of Virginia, and he participated in the national uh, championships in Tulsa, Oklahoma a few weeks ago. I have never, I didn't grow up with brothers. My dad didn't watch sports. My mom does. Um, And I don't have sons. So I have never watched wrestling in my life until I have started watching Justin. And I'm like, oh, man, that's got to hurt. He's twisting in a way that I didn't know a body could twist. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, even though I have no clue what's happening. However, that is neither here nor there. Tulsa, Oklahoma is where I'm headed with this. Uh, Mel and I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma when we were newlyweds. We were um, youth pastors in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went and got my master's in marriage and family therapy at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that is where I became pregnant with our daughter, Abby. And um, and so when Gil and Steph said they were going to go to Tulsa, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like one of the, Pastor Christina lived there. Deb, our media director, went to school at ORU, and Christina did too. But our crowds did not pass, but we're here. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I just saw Christina this morning. This is what you get in the 11 o'clock. I promise I'm getting somewhere. So I'm like... Oh my gosh, Tulsa was one of the, my most favorite places I've ever lived. You need to go here and there. And here's the address to my old house, which I was really surprised I could even remember because we've owned like eight homes and uh, we've moved like nine times in our married life. And I remembered it and they didn't go see our old house. They did not care. Isn't that sad? I know. Um, But then I realized, like they were asking me certain things and I realized... I haven't lived in Tulsa for 21 years. Like, uh, and the reason I know that is because I was pregnant with Abby, very pregnant when I graduated. And shortly after that, we moved to Oklahoma City. And um, Abby is, a month from now, is going to be walking across her own college graduation stage. And she turns 21 this summer. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, Steph. Like, I don't know anything about Tulsa because I haven't lived there in forever. But how many of you do the same thing where you think, oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, that was a really long time ago, but it feels just like yesterday. And it feels like I was just pregnant with Abby yesterday. You know, but she's going to be 21. She's going to be a full-grown adult. Our lives are fleeting. You blink and it happens. I told the other service that toddler years were just something else for me. Like, uh, and not that raising young, young adults and teenagers is like all the time fun, but toddler years were the hardest. Um, Abby specifically was a very tough four-year-old. 
<laughs> she was my strong-willed child who was using it for the good of others and the glory of God now. Um, and I spoke that over her. So if you have a strong-willed child, speak life, that they will use it for the good of others and the glory of God. Um, but toddler years were hard. And what did older moms say to me? You already know where I'm going. It's going to go by so fast. And I'm like, be quiet. <laughs> it feels like forever. And it did go by fast. But in the moment, it felt like eternity. But our lives are fleeting. But in light of eternity, our lives are fast as here today, gone by five seconds from now. In light of eternity, our lives are but a blink, Scripture says. In light of eternity, forever and ever and ever, that does not end. This life here on this earth is short. So that's what we filter this through. And our question is, how then, if our lives are short, how then, how are we supposed to live? Because y'all... How we live really, 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 really matters. How we live our days here on this earth that we have breath in our lungs really matters. You know, I, I live in the middle of IU Patty Central, like Kendall and I do. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But it's always so heartbreaking to me, honestly. Because I'm like, man, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot of lives that are going to be destroyed t today in, this in the name of fun. I know, uh, you know, many of our team serves, um, many of our dream teams serves at, for IU Patties, they serve the police. And, um, and, you know, and I know of a specific story last night where a girl got a felony. In a moment of... Drunkenness, in a, in a moment, her life has been changed forever. In the name of having fun. I don't know about y'all, but that, like, whew, our lives really matter. What we do really matters. And the thing is, as a church, we have the good news of Jesus Christ. That no matter what you have done, no matter what I have done, because I have a list. There is mercy and there is grace. And that is our hope and our eternity can be different, right? But our default here in America specifically is we want to be happy all of the time. We don't want a life of suffering we want to be able to sign up, press the easy button with Jesus, and be like, my life is going to be good 100% of the time now. But that is not what Jesus offers us. And we learn, we've been learning that in First Peter. Matt Chandler, he's a pastor in Dallas, Texas. He says, suffering is normal. Jesus is good. And um, I, I want this to get in our hearts because those of you who are parents, we need to be teaching our kids Suffering is normal, but Jesus is good. Because if they buy into the, the, the belief that life is always blissful, that's why so many kids get disillusioned with the church and they go off track. Because they're not receiving what they thought was promised to them, right? So Peter is the one who writes this book, and I love Peter. He's just one of my favorite characters in Scripture. And if you um, watch The Chosen, I love how Peter is displayed. Um, it's a free show for many of you who don't know what it is. But um, I love Peter, and he's the one who writes this book. It's the same Peter that I talked about in our Sunday School series, that, that he wanted so much to be like Jesus, that when Jesus came walking on the water to him, Peter said, um, Jesus, if it's really you, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to get out of this boat, and I am going to walk on the water towards you, and he did. It's the same Peter that Jesus had three disciples that were his inner circle, that were his people, that were his best friends, and Peter was one of those. Peter got to be so close to Jesus, the Messiah. It's the same Peter that when Jesus talked about the cross, that he was headed for a life of suffering and death. 
Peter rebuked him and said, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. And in turn, Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. It's the same Peter that when Jesus was taken away after Judas had betrayed him, that Peter uh, in that moment, you know, didn't have much self-control and wanted to defend Jesus and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. And Jesus was like, this is not how we do things. I'm going to put this ear back on this man's head. And he did that. But right after that, it's the same Peter who, when Jesus was being questioned, Peter was in, in the outside area and a little girl said, hey, you're with him. I know you, you're with him. And Peter said, no, 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 I don't know him. And two more times he denied that he even knew Jesus. So then one of the most beautiful stories is when after Jesus had died and he'd been resurrected and Peter and the guys were fishing in the boat, they see Jesus on the shore, the resurrected Jesus. And um, Peter gets out of the boat, runs to Jesus on the shore, and Jesus is cooking them breakfast. Because that's who Jesus is. He is good. And he is telling Peter, hey, I know what you did, but I love you. And in fact, he says, Peter, he goes, takes him aside, takes him through. Um, I encourage you to read the story in the book of John. But he says, Peter, do you love me? And he keeps going through all these questions. And he says, Peter, which, which stands for Petros, which means rock. He said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. So Peter, who was one of his best friends, who ended up denying him, who was erratic at times, he said, I'm going to entrust you building the church, like my church, not your church, but my church. I'm entrusting you to build it. But he said, there's a cost that comes with it. You're going to suffer more than these other guys. So we have to look at this book when Peter says, rejoice in suffering, be happy about suffering, suffer with the attitude of Jesus, like we're going to talk a bit about in a minute. We have to remember who is writing it. It's not a man who wasn't experienced with suffering. Peter suffered. And in fact, he, his life was ended by Nero and the Roman soldiers. He was crucified. He chose to be crucified upside down for his faith because he believed that um, he wasn't worthy of being crucified the same way Jesus was crucified. So he chose to be crucified upside down. So this, this is the same Peter who knew what he was in for, what he was already experiencing by building the church. And he's saying to us today, suffer well. So that's where we're going to go today. First Peter 4, 1 through 5. So then... Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. I want to stop there for a second. But So when we experience suffering for the sake of Jesus, so we're going to talk about different kinds of suffering. When we experience suffering for the sake of Jesus or suffering in our physical bodies, we are to have the same attitude as Jesus. What do we know about Jesus' suffering and his attitude? We know that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We know that Jesus knows what the pain is and he identifies with you. But we also know that it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's joy in our suffering. So with the same attitude as Christ, are we to endure our suffering? And he says, be ready to suffer too. Followers of Jesus, be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And what I think this means is that when you really grab hold of what it means to follow Jesus like Peter did, that Jesus means take up your cross and follow me. Join me in my suffering. Join me in my joy. When we really understand that we don't want sin 
like we used to want it because we're so enamored and so in awe with a savior and a God who is worthy of all glory and praise. But the problem is so many of us make a decision to follow Jesus, but we keep one foot in and we keep one foot out and we straddle the fence between the world and Jesus all of the time. And so we're constantly going around the same mountain over and over and over again. But he says in verse three, you have had enough in the past of evil. The evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends, of course, y'all listen to me. Of course, he says, of course. Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. They make fun of you. They say bad things about you. Of course they do. But remember, they will have to face God. They will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Our lives are no longer our own as followers of Jesus. When we make the decision to follow him, we don't push the easy button and just say, I'm pushing this easy button to feel better. (laughs) Feeling better happens. It does. I I know that feeling. It's so much more than feeling better. (laughs) So much more than that. No one expects suffering until it happens, right? We're going along in life. Everything is good, and then, right? None of us are like, some of you are. Some of you might be more negative Nellies and like just waiting for the next bad thing to happen to you. That's not how Jesus wants us to live either. Um, But we're always surprised when we suffer. But again, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But then what does he say? But take heart. Be of courage. Take heart. I have overcome it. I win. And as followers of Jesus, we can know that any suffering we endure, we know that Jesus has already won and we have therefore won too. We win. We win in the end. We win. See, I think especially in American culture, what I see so often is people make a decision to follow Jesus and they think, again, I'm going to press the easy button and life is going to be blissful all of the time, 100% of the time. And there are some things that shift in your life that bring you so much joy, a lasting joy that, that the world cannot offer, that will not offer. It always offers death and destruction. But what we think is, oh, now... Jesus' job is to make me successful. That's the American way. Now Jesus' job is to make me successful. And I hear all of the time um, new believers say, and not just new believers, seasoned believers too, why, why Am I living for Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Am I, am I doing the right things? There's, there's no checklist. But why, why am I, when I'm genuinely following him, why are, are so much of my life out of, in chaos and out of order? But yet my friend who makes fun of me for being a Christian got this really great job and has this really nice house and got a girlfriend, or got a boyfriend, and I am still here. Well, we have to go back to, of course, they're going to make fun of you. Of course they are. But they will be judged just as we will be judged. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But when we follow Jesus, do we get abundance? Absolutely. We get abundance. We become chosen daughters and sons. We become a royal priesthood. We become all of that. But it's not the royal priesthood in the sense that we think it is. 
Do we get goodness and mercy that follows us all the days of our lives? Yes, absolutely. Do we get freedom? Yes. I'm a living testimony to that. Do we get grace? Yes. Do we get healing? Yes. Just doesn't always look like we want it to, but yes, we do. See, our lives as followers of Jesus are now submitted to the way of Jesus and God's will and no longer what we want, but he's good. Suffering is normal. Jesus is good. Why are we surprised when we're criticized and made fun of by our friends and our family who are still continuing in their ways? See, because they don't want you to change. Because if you change... What does that mean for them, right? They'll accuse you of being judgmental. They'll accuse you of being too good. They'll accuse you all, of all kinds of things. And what breaks my heart sometimes is I'll see a new believer specifically choose to follow Jesus, but then the more persecution um, they receive from their friends and their family, I have seen several of them choose their opinions over following Jesus and step away from the church. But what we don't realize is it costs us eternity. See, he says, we don't have to defend ourselves. I think so often is we think we're going to stick up for ourselves, right? And it doesn't mean you become, like, abused by any means. But he doesn't say they're going to slander you, so slander them back. It doesn't say they're going to slander you, so go to social media about it. It doesn't say that. It says, let God deal with them. They're going to answer. And I don't know about y'all. I can only be so mean. I can be mean in my mind. <laughs> I'm much meaner in my mind than I am, like, in real life. I can be really mean in my mind. But Jesus, but God, God is good. He's a just God. And for those who choose not to follow him, they will answer to him. It should also give you compassion for them. To know, man, I, don't, I need to pray for my friends. The godly will also be judged. When we realize that we will both be judged, it helps us love. See, what suffering costs us now here on this earth as followers of Jesus pales in comparison to what we gain for all of eternity. What those who don't follow Jesus seemingly gain now for doing as they please costs them everything for all of eternity. 1 Peter 4, 6 says, That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. And there's some debate on what this actually means, but most commentators believe this is in reference to Christians who embrace the gospel before death. You don't know what happens in someone's last moment of life, whether they choose Jesus or not. Some of, sometimes we won't know until we get to heaven and see some of their faces, right? Some of you have had the honor and privilege of leading your family members and friends to Jesus in their last breaths. grateful for that but we preach the good news to everyone he is good news first peter 4 7 said the end of the world is coming soon therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers the end of the world is coming soon therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers and the nasb it says therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer I was born in the 1970s, the later 1970s. I feel so, like, old saying that. I have to scroll longer, you know, now when I'm looking for my birth date. <laughs> things hurt that didn't just used to hurt. I have to wear reading glasses now. All those fun things, but that's neither here nor there. I grew up with um, these terrifying end times movies. That their job was to scare you into heaven. <laughs> That's not what Jesus wants. He doesn't want you scared into heaven. He wants you to lovingly and willingly choose him. I also grew up with um, end times evangelists coming to our small Assemblies of God church. And they would um, roll out these, these big 
um, displays. And it would have the end times events. And their job, I feel like, was to scare you into heaven. <laughs> That's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to know that the end times are near. Peter is saying this 2,000 years ago. The end times are near, the end of the world is coming soon because the fact is, is that it says in scripture, no one knows when Jesus is returning. No one knows. Peter did not know. But what we do know is we have to live as followers of Jesus as if he is coming in our lifetime. Because if we live in light of that, we don't live out of fear, And we don't tell our stories of the good news of Jesus Christ out of fear, but we tell it out of a sense of urgency of, man, I want my friends and family to know him. And it's up to them whether they choose, right? But we live in that way. So it doesn't say the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be scared. Therefore, go tell everyone they're going to hell. Therefore, operate 100% in fear all of the time. No, as Peter says, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Be praying. This isn't just for pastors. This is for every follower of Jesus. Peter says, the end time is near, so pray. What do we pray for? We pray for an awakening. There's a recent survey that came out by Barna Institute, and they're a very reputable company who does surveys. Um, and y'all, I can't shake the statistic. It's, it is just sitting on me and reminding me why we do what we do. But the statistic is now that since COVID-19, 96% of Americans, Americans, do not hold a biblical worldview. of Americans say, that book doesn't really matter. Or some of it matters. The parts I like matter. Parts I don't like, they don't matter. What does that mean? 4%, if the stats are right and they are very reliable, 4% of Americans believe that this book still stands. That this book really matters. So, What should that do for us? One, it should break our hearts. This book is the truth. It is the life. It is the way. It is the longest standing historical book that cannot be destroyed. There's no other book like it in all of history. It is real. It is the living word of God. So what do we do with that? Well, one, we have to realize, friends, that people are not going to like that you follow Jesus. We don't live in an America any longer that is okay with you believing all of this book. We don't live in an America any longer that says in God we trust. It's more like in the God we want to make up and trust. So what does this mean? This book matters. How we live our life matters because you are going to face people that do not like the fact that you follow Jesus. So what do you do? You pray. I met with a college girl recently. She may or may not be in this room, but not going to tell her name or where she works or any names in this story, but she was just weeping and commonplace, and I love her heart so much. I just said, Kim, I, man, I, I work in an environment where they know I'm a believer. They know I love Jesus, and they hate him. They hate the church not just Summit, but they hate the church. They hate Jesus. One of the guys she works with, it follows Satan, is a Satanist, so he taunts her. She said, am I doing a good job, she says to me. Am I doing everything I need to be doing? And I said, yes. If God still wants you in that workplace, you go be light. 
You don't have to defend yourself because that's our nature. We want to defend, like Peter, we want to defend. We go live out our faith. We do not buckle. We stand firm, but we don't have to defend ourselves. And we love them really, really, really well. And I believe she's going to see fruit. Because when we're faithful under suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, we will see fruit. But how do we have to respond? We have to pray. I am praying for a great awakening in the United States of America. There are great awakenings happening all over the world. The church in Afghanistan, the church in Iran, the church in Iraq are the fastest growing churches in the world, y'all. Those are the darkest places on the planet. And every single Christian who is known to have converted to Christianity, their name is literally on a hit list that if they are found, they will be killed for their faith. Praise God, we don't have to endure that. But where persecution flourishes, Jesus flourishes even more. Let's pray for an awakening in our city, in our country. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9 says, Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. For one another as followers of Jesus. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. What this doesn't mean is um, if you're a follower of Jesus and you confess to your friend that you're living a hellish lifestyle and... um, and you want to continue in that hellish lifestyle that they are like just covering it up for you and saying, keep on going, keep on going. That's not what that's saying. But what it is saying is when you confess to somebody what's going on in your life, we we all need to be practicing confession with one to another. But what it means is we have to be a safe space. It can't be a space where you're like, go to then your prayer group and be like, man, so-and-so told me that they did this and like, we really need to pray for them. <laughs> I, I make fun of that, but we do it. And that's not covering a multitude of sins. We walk with one another. We love one another. We show them grace and we mercy and we walk with them. Christians, I think probably part of this, the 96%, right? Um, They have seen Christians destroy each other in the last three years on social media. From varying degrees of political party, race issues, all of the things. They have seen Christians light each other on, not literal fire, but on fire on social media. I'm always amazed. I, I, this worship leader, who's a very well-known worship leader, and I don't know her personally, but she like posted something simple, like I I'm, I wish I could go to Asbury University and pray for their worship team. Like really simple. Christians lit her on fire in her comments. Who do you think you are? They don't need you. They don't need some famous worship leader coming to pray for them. They can pray for themselves. And I'm like, wow, if the world is watching this, they don't want anything to do with that. So how we love each other really matters. Every once in a while, I'll hear a story from someone. Hey, so-and-so used to go to a summit, and they really trashed you and Mel to us. They still go to church, still follow Jesus. Like, man, they haven't come here in three years, four years. They still are that ticked off? They're trashing us to a fellow believers? We have to love one another really, really well. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. When I go to a developing country, um, 
It's so amazing to me, so humbling to me when they will literally have a dirt floor and they will have nothing and barely enough food to feed themselves. They will gladly open their home for you to come sit. They offer you tea or coffee or something to eat. And here in America, we drive into our garage if we have one and we shut the door, we walk inside, we never invite anyone over. We never offer the blessings of God and what he's given us to share a meal with people around our tables. We don't offer a place to stay. Now, I'm not saying every person that walks by your home, invite them in to stay the night with you. There's wisdom in that. My neighbor had some college students come stay the night in his wife's bed without knowing um, because they just leave their doors open all the time. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) Um... We can't wait to have Pinterest perfect homes to be hospitable to one another. Because we're never going to have it. I live in a 120 plus year old home and I just had to get to the place of like, I don't have enough money to fix the house all at once. So over 10 years, it's been a work in progress. It is still a work in progress. Every time I would take a piece of carpet, I'm like, oh, this is why they had carpet covering this up. We're to share, cheerfully share our home with one another. First Peter 4, 10 through 11, God has given each of you a gift. God has given each and every one of you sitting in this room and watching online and in Blairsville a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Each and every one of you were created by God the Father. He knew exactly how he's going to wire you. He knew exactly what gifts he was going to deposit in you. But none of it is for you. Yes, it brings you joy when you activate those gifts. You're like, ah, yes. But it's all for his glory. It's all for his good. I, 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 anytime I'm walking someone new in ministry, not, not all the time, but I remember, especially at our last church, young adults all the time that were interns or Um, I remember specifically having this conversation with this girl of like, I'm called to speak. How can you help me build a platform? And I'm like, you don't. You go lead a small group. If your goal is to be famous, that's not what Jesus calls us to. Sometimes you get known, but my friends that are well known, there is a major cost to their knownness. The internet is not nice to them. We serve others based on the spiritual gift we have received. That's why we talk about growth track till we're blue in the face. Because we want you to be activated in your giftings to serve the local church. That's what he wants you to do. 20% of followers of Jesus that sit in seats every week, not just in our church, but globally, 20%, only 20% of them serve. And we wonder why those 20% get burned out. And I just imagine this world where the statistic is much higher and everybody who says they are a follower of Jesus decides to serve and to use their giftings to serve one another, how that would shift things in our churches and in our nation. See, so often we use the church like we treat a grocery store. I, I don't know about you. I don't just go to Giant Eagle just to roam. I especially do not go to Walmart just to roam around, although people watching is fun. I don't, I go to Target just to roam around. Praise you, Jesus. But we don't have that here. So I don't go to Giant Eagle just to go check out. I go to Giant Eagle or wherever I'm grocery shopping that day to buy food to buy things that we need. And along the way, I'm not like, oh, can I help you mop the store? Can I like pick up the, can I ring some customers up for you? Like you're not serving Giant Eagle, right? 
They are just taking your money and they say, see you later, have a nice day. But so much we treat the local church like that. We come in, we get what we need, we walk out before service is over and we leave and we only come back when we need something else. Sometimes, not all the time, we'll get benevolence requests. We get a lot. But when we say, can we come alongside of you and help you? They're like, no, I just want what you have to offer and then I'm going to scoot. <laughs> but, but we aren't. Like, we're all that way. <laughs> we consume grace. We receive the grace of Jesus. We're like, I'm forgiven. <laughs> And then we just think we own it, and we don't have to freely give it. But it's not ours to own. We steward grace. We steward grace. We steward the good news of Jesus Christ. He gets the glory. 1 Peter 12 through 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Not negative Nellie complaining about how terrible her life is. Be very glad for these trials will make you partners with Christ. But it's in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. Don't be surprised. So Peter was saying that to them now, and I'm saying it to you now via the word of God. Do not be surprised when you face fiery trials. Peter did not know that just a year later, Nero, Mel talked about this a few weeks ago, Nero would literally light Christians on fire to light his garden. Like, so literal, fiery trials. I would like to say that there's not Christians around our globe that experience literal fire, but they do. There are persecution that you will never see on the web or on our news that Christians endure because they're Christians. Nero literally wrapped people in tar and used them as human candles to light his garden. But Peter wasn't talking about that here. He was talking about, and more in reference of how fire purifies gold. Like you want gold that has been tried by fire. You want gold, you want to purchase gold that has been tried by fire because it makes it more pure, it makes it more beautiful. So when you go through trials for his name's sake, it's going to make you more like him. It's going to make you love him more. You're not going to be able to help but, but love Jesus more if, if you choose to put on the attitude of Christ. Suffering is normal, but Jesus is good. 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16 says, If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. We know that Jesus always flipped things. Like in the Beatitudes, he flipped things. Like he was countercultural, counter-American for sure. And if you want to read the Beatitudes, I encourage you to do that in Matthew. But I, if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. How many of you want the glorious spirit of God to rest on you? I do. If you sever... And this is where we talk about different kinds of suffering. If you suffer, let it not be for murder. Let it not be for stealing. Let it not be for making trouble. And I always love how they throw in these other things. Or prying into someone else's business. Because how many of you know our sin causes suffering? It causes suffering in our own lives. Whether you've been found out or not. It causes suffering in your own life, and it causes suffering to those around you. 
So he's saying, if you're going to suffer, don't let it be for sin. Although sin will cost you something. It just is different. And thankfully, when we choose to follow Jesus and we submit our lives to him, he forgives us of all of our sins. It doesn't mean that we won't still suffer in some ways for the sins we've committed. You see that in the life of David. But there is no more shame and our eternity looks a whole lot different than it would have previously. It doesn't matter what you have done. Jesus died for you. So why did Peter throw in prying into other people's affairs along with murder and stealing? It's because it, how we live matters. Sin, no matter big or little, causes suffering. How many of you have major family issues just because of offense? Just because of prying into one another's business? Just be, how many of you have friendships that have been destroyed because they found out you gossiped about them? So when we're like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus, he's not talking about because of the sin you've committed. He's talking about the suffering that we just endure by being faithful followers of him, whether people don't like what we stand for or just suffering in our physical bodies sometimes. 16, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. We all want to be liked. I don't care who you are. If you tell me you don't care about being liked, you are lying to yourself. We all want to be liked. No one likes to be hated. No one. We have just convinced ourselves in order to cope. But there is no shame to suffer for being Christian. And he says, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. If you suffer because you are a Christian, it says you are blessed it means that people identify you as being with him, and that's a good thing. Now, sometimes we can get really hung up on ideologies, which means that we attach ideals in our culture to our faith. And I'm not talking about suffering for ideologies. I, I think Christians can be real jerks sometimes. But what it's talking about is suffering, not because they think you're a jerk, because that's how they view Christians, because some of you are associated with Jesus because you're mean. And they just think, oh, that's how all Christians act. Jesus was not mean. He didn't cut to the chase, but he was love and he was kind. I heard a story once of this man who went to visit this college and, um, you know how normally, like, even in banks, sometimes even in churches, which I always hated, um, would have, like, uh, lined-up pictures of past presidents or past CEOs or people maybe who graduated for the university that are super successful now. Like, I know our Bible college, that they'll sometimes send out emails of, this alumni is now a, sex, a successful attorney and owns 15 coffee shops, and I'm like... That's great. Like, good for them. But that's what we praise, right? We praise success. And he said he was touring this facility, and he said, hey, what are all these pictures? They didn't have, like, president so-and-so. He said, oh, these are all people that graduated from our university that they lost their lives because of the name of Christ. They were all martyred for their faith. That's what Peter is saying. You are blessed when you are persecuted, when you suffer for being a Christian. Suffering for doing evil is warranted and is not for the sake of Jesus. But if you're suffering for walking with him, there's no shame. Shame off you. First Peter 17 through 19, and we're wrapping it up. The time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. Like, oh, why? <laughs> the time has come for judgment, and it begins with us sitting in these seats? Yeah? 
Because we'll answer to him too. Now, the, the good news for those of us who follow Jesus is that when Jesus was on the cross, next Good Friday represents Jesus on the cross. He bore the wrath of God. The wrath of God for you and me so that we wouldn't have to when we choose to follow him. But our judgment day looks a whole lot different than people who don't follow him. Our judgment day, we're going to be asked, how did you steward what I gave you on this earth? What did you do with the gifts I put inside of you? Who did you tell about me? You're going to be held accountable for idle words. But the wrath of God, Jesus took it all. And it is available to everyone that you know. That's why we tell and share the good news. So we are going to be judged, and I believe that it needs to start now. Family, that every single day we need to be asking Holy Spirit, show me the ways I'm getting this wrong. Help me. See, Jesus said it's better that I go away so that you have the Holy Spirit There is a a baptism in the Holy Spirit, too, that encloses you with power to endure. I I know that Christians who are literally being martyred with their faith are baptized in the Spirit. There's no other way they would have the power to stand. And if judgment begins with us, What terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? In verse 18, and also if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? And here he's quoting Proverbs 11.31. And and what he's basically saying is Jesus says in Scripture, narrow is the gate. Because, again, salvation isn't an easy button. It is a take up your cross and follow me button. (laughs) And as a take up your cross and follow me every second of every day button. Therefore, it's, it's not the easy button that we want. David Guzik, he's a theologian, he says, Christians can rejoice that the sufferings they face in this life are the worst they will ever face throughout all eternity. We have seen the worst. But those who reject Jesus Christ have seen the best of life their eternal existence will ever see. Let that sit on you. The suffering that you endure, whether physically or by persecution or whatever you endure here on this earth, it's so painful. It's but a blink. And although it feels like eternity, it is not. This is the worst we will ever experience for all of eternity. Isn't that good news? Yes. Last year was hell for me. But if that is the worst, and I don't know, I don't know if it is the worst. All of glory waits for me. But for my friends and my family that don't know him, that actively reject him and choose not to follow him, this life is the best they will ever see. And eternity looks so much different. I know there's a lot of stuff out there that said that heaven's not real. I mean, heaven is not real and hell's not real. And I have heard literal pastors say, I don't believe in hell. And then I'm like, 
why are you doing what you do then? <laughs> if everybody goes to heaven, what's the point? I, I don't, what was the point of Jesus dying? That's not what this scripture says, but we make it into what we want to make it. So if we know that we're both judged and we know that we know that, then why aren't you sharing the good news that you have? Not out of fear and not out of hate. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, and they may reject it. They rejected Jesus all the time. They hated him, especially the religious ones. But you have a hope. Verse 19, the last verse. If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. So many times we just want to give up. Keep on doing what's right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. And the NASB, it says, trust your souls to a faithful creator. Suffering is normal. Jesus is faithful. I have experienced the faithfulness of God, which has allowed me not to become cynical. It's allowed me to love people. The other day, I saw a man who was dressed pretty crazy walking down Philadelphia Street. what broke my heart was there were people behind him with their phones snapping pictures I don't know if those people are Christians or not but what I do know is that man was created in the image of God he's just broken We have the good news. God's will for our lives includes suffering, and some suffering is by our own doing. And it's not necessarily his will, y'all. I'm not here to say that all suffering is his will. It's not. We live in a broken world. Some of it we caused, some of it was caused to us. But what I do know about the faithfulness and the kindness of our God is that when we hand him our suffering. He takes it and he doesn't waste it. Even the own suffering that I caused upon myself when I surrendered it to him, he, he hasn't wasted it here, but I know in glory it will not be wasted. The trauma that some of you have endured when you surrender it to Jesus, he will not waste it. And trust in the Greek is a term that like, if I had a million dollars and I um, decided I didn't want to put it in like the money, money market or I know everybody's a little afraid of banks right now and the news is making us real scared of them, aren't they? But <clears throat> if you don't watch the news, good. It's better for you, but it would be like me giving it to Steph if she's my friend, and I would, Steph, I'm going to give you this million dollars. I am trust like a whole life's worth, right? I'm going to hand it to you. When I come back, I'm going to believe that you still have all of it. I'm going to count it all. That's like a big trust, right? <laughs> and you're like, it would be tempting like not to take a dollar even. But it's the same term in trust when Jesus says, Father, when he's hanging on the cross, Father, in, in you, I entrust my spirit. It means that we entrust our souls to a faithful creator. We leave our souls in a safe place. The enemy, not safe. The enemy, wants to take you out. 
Sometimes we put that on God. That is not God. That is the enemy of your soul. God, he takes care of your soul. He's your faithful creator. And all the suffering that you will walk through here on this earth is for our good and his glory. So what do we continue to do? Just keep doing the right thing. We just do the next right thing. Because he will never fail. Elizabeth Elliot, um, the faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Her and her husband were missionaries um, a long time ago, and there was a movie about them called um, The End of the Spear. It's really old, but it's worth watching. Her husband, Jim, was killed by the people they had gone to serve. She endured suffering. Her story is just absolutely crazy. You could read her story and be like, I don't know how that woman still continued to live for Jesus. And she had two other husbands die in her lifetime. But there's this quote from the book, Suffering is Never for Nothing, from Elizabeth. It says, whatever is in the cup that God is offering to me, whether it be pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many more joys, I'm willing to take it because I trust him. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Colin in Blairsville. We're so honored to have you here today. Love being your pastor. You'll have a good day. For those of you here in this room, I'd love for you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to pray over us. And I just ask that it, if you don't have to leave, that you don't leave because I just really believe this is a holy moment. But Jesus, we just, first of all, we say we're sorry. I say, Jesus, I'm sorry for treating you like an easy button. Jesus, you died for us. You took the wrath of God for us so that we could be free so that we could have eternity and glory Jesus I pray that right now you would stir those that currently follow you that that say they follow you that claim to be Christians I pray that you would just cause us to see our salvation and following you in a different light and suffering in a different light. But this is the worst we will ever see. There is a glory that awaits us. Lord, help us to share the good news. Help us to suffer well, whatever our lot. Help us to suffer with your attitude, Jesus. And for those that maybe are in the room today that have never claimed to be followers of you, or maybe once did, but maybe said a prayer and then walked out the door and, and never really followed, Jesus, I pray that you would just stir their hearts you can remind them that you love them, that you see them, and you want relationship with them. You died for them, no matter what. No matter what they've done. With eyes still closed and no one looking around, I'd love to just make the invitation that if you are in this room today and you say, Cam, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I want to choose a life with him. Or maybe you once pressed the easy button prayer, but then walked out and really didn't take up your cross and followed him, but you want to decide to do that today. Would you just raise your hand and love the opportunity to pray with you today? see you on the left. Thank you. See you in the middle. You can put your hands down. 
I see you in the balcony. You put your hands down. If everyone would just repeat this prayer after me, including those of you joining us online today. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. for bearing the wrath of God for me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to know you and I want to live a life for you. Today I choose to follow you all of the days of my life no matter what it costs. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate? <laughs> Scripture says that all of heaven rejoices when just one comes to know him. That your loved ones that are in heaven are literally rejoicing. It's just an amazing picture. We always ask people once they give, make that decision to let us know about it. And we don't ask you to let us know about it so that we can stalk you or make your life miserable or to fill up your inbox or text. We do that because as I've stated today, we know that walking out the Christian walk is not an easy button. And you need gospel community that comes alongside of you to pray for you, to support you, to equip you. So let us know that you made that decision today by either texting the word Summit PA to 94,000 or filling out the salvation card in the seat back in front of you. You can put that in the offering box, but what I'd encourage you to do is take it to the info center. One of our pastors will be out there to greet you and to meet you. There's no shame in coming to Christ. It is the best decision you've ever made in your whole life. So don't hide it. We're going to sing one final song, and I want to encourage you. This is our moment for you to come and receive prayer. And so our staff is going to be, and our prayer team is going to be at the front of this room, ready to pray for you for whatever you need. But it's also a moment to not slip out the door. It's a moment to sit or stand and say, Holy Spirit, how do I apply this to my life? I don't want to treat the church like a giant eagle. I want to go live this out well. We love you more than you know. We're so honored to be your pastors. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.